If you have your Bibles, Luke chapter 12. <clears throat> Luke chapter 12. If you don't have your Bible, that's okay. We should have it on the screen here in a moment. Luke chapter 12. <clears throat> it's a very interesting setting we see in Luke chapter 12. It begins and it says, In the meantime, when so many thousands of people had gathered together, they were trampling on one another. There's so many people, a number that is probably in the, the tens of thousands, and it's almost like this, this mob of people that are coming and they're, they're so tight, they're so close, and they're trying to get closer to Jesus. It's, it's almost a picture of a, a rock concert that's going on, but instead of getting to a, a rock star, they're trying to get closer to Jesus. This is a man like no other man in history. This is a man that can say to the blind, you can see. He can say to the lame, get up and walk. He can say to the dead, get up, you're alive. It's a man that can stand up and teach with authority like no one has ever heard before. And so the people are coming and it could be in this setting that Jesus is speaking to the largest crowd that he ever spoke to. Tens of thousands of people. And I wonder if you had that chance. If you had that opportunity, let's say that this morning you were to go and speak at Lakewood Church, one of the largest churches in North America. And you were to go and you were to, to speak on a, a spiritual principle. I wonder what you would, you would teach or what you would preach on. What would be so important that to all these people, you would want to get this specific message across? Maybe you would say the love of God, and of course that is very important to understand the love of God. Maybe you would say the grace of God. We'd want to teach on how, how magnificent the grace of God is. But I find it interesting, in the presence of all of these people, Jesus spoke on hell. He spoke on the reality of hell. And he spoke on the reality of hell in the midst of a very religious crowd. There's many religious people in the setting. And yet Jesus speaks on the reality of hell. Many times when you look through the Gospels, you see that it is in the presence of the religious folks that Jesus speaks on hell. I believe the Bible teaches that hell will have many religious people in it. Many religious people that had a great deal of religion, but they had no relationship. And so Jesus begins to teach, and in the crowd there's a, a mixed group of people. There are, of course, some in the crowd who the Bible says they are disciples. That's the Greek word, mathetes. It, it means they are followers. They are learners. They're the ones who come, and they're listening to Jesus, and they've got their, I don't know if they had an iPad or an Android device out, but whatever device they had, they've got it out, and they're taking good notes. They're, they're catching on to every word that Jesus has to say. But there's also some in the crowd, and they are the Pharisees, they are the religious. And when you look through the Bible, you see that the religious were always in confrontation with Jesus. Their heart is hard. They are opposed to the things of Christ. They feel like they're okay. They feel like everything's good in their life. But the reality is they have no genuineness to them. There's no authenticity in their life in their heart. 
But then there's also some in the crowd, and they just don't know yet. They're intrigued. They want to know more. They want to hear what Jesus has to say, but they have not surrendered yet. They have not given in to it yet. And so they're listening very carefully. They're, they're hanging on to what Jesus says, but they don't know. In verse 32, he says that his true followers are only a little flock. This huge crowd, but only a few of them really get it. I wonder if that's true of many churches today. There's many in the pews, but the ones that are, are truly genuine is a little flock. The day of Pentecost, we see there's only 120 numbered, 120 who are, are there. And so again, we see a, a very small crowd, but the stakes are high. He's talking about your eternal state. He's talking about the eternal dwelling place of man. And he begins, and look in verse 1, it says he spoke, he said, Beware of the leaven of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. It's a warning. It's like you're going through life, and there's this caution light. The lights are blinking, and it says, Pay attention. Listen to this. You must understand this principle. Beware of the leaven of the Pharisees. Leaven is a, a yeast you put it into the dough, it permeates the dough, and it, it causes the dough to rise and to swell and to enlarge. And so Jesus says, you've got to be on guard because the yeast of the Pharisees can come into your life, it can come into your heart, and it can penetrate into the deepest portions of your life. And if you're not careful, it will bring destruction. Beware of the leaven of the Pharisees. Now, what is that? What is he telling them to caution? He tells them to caution, look at the verse, caution hypocrisy. Beware of the leaven of the Pharisees, which is what? Hypocrisy. Watch out for it. What is hypocrisy? It means that you're playing a part. It means that you're pretending. It means that you're playing an act. You're putting on a show, but you're not genuine. And there's many in the day of Jesus, and they are pretending. They're pretending to love the things of God. They're pretending to be spiritual. They're pretending to be holy and to be righteous. But the reality is, it's just a game. And it very well could be this morning that there's many of us in this place and we come in, and we've got our best-looking clothes on. One day of the week, my wife irons my clothes. It's Sunday morning. And so it's my best clothes. Somebody said, why do you pick your colors? I don't pick them. She sets them out, and I put them on. We've got our best clothes on today. We've got our best smiles on today. We're looking the part. We come in, and we look pious. We look religious. We look righteous as we come into this place. But it could be a game. It could be a fake. It could be a front. I, I can fool you and, and you can fool me. That is hypocrisy. That is the game that we, can, that we can play. And Jesus says, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. About eight or nine years ago, my wife and I, we, we built our home. Can't believe it's been that long, but, but it has. <clears throat> I remember we were getting to that point and we're told, you need to go pick out your 
flooring and your countertops and all that fun stuff. If you built a house, that's kind of the fun part, isn't it? You go and you get to decide. There's all these different options, but you get to decide what you want to put in your home. I remember the first place we went was the, the floor store. Went into the, the flooring store, and we went in and we saw all this beautiful flooring. And we loved the, the wood floor. Don't you love that, that pretty wood and so we went in and we saw all this beautiful wood flooring, all the different colors, all the different variations. And we were, we were shopping, we were looking around, and we were picking what we liked and what we didn't like. And then the salesman came up and he said, have you, have you found something you like? And we pointed and said, well, we really like this one right here. Can you give us a price on this one? And so he said, sure, I'll be right back. And he went over to the computer and he, he came back and he gave us the price. And he could tell by our eyes it was a little bit out of our price range. You ever done that? He could tell because our eyes got big. We can't quite afford that. And so he, he said, I, I may have something that would work for you. That is a, a true hardwood floor. But we also have what we call a laminate wood floor. And I didn't know. I said, well, sir, what is that? He said, what a laminate wood is, is you get this plywood. It's, it's a very cheap wood. And you get a picture of a real wood, and they put the picture of the real wood on this cheap wood. And so what it is, it has the look of the wood that you want, but it's much cheaper. Now, he says it's not quite as good. It's not quite as strong. It's not quite as rigid. When you walk on it, it's going gonna, it's gonna to sound different. It's going to feel different. But when a lot of people come into your house, they're going to think it's the real stuff. And so you save money by getting the laminate wood. Well, sign me up for that, right? That sounds pretty good. <clears throat> and then we went to the, the store where they've got all the beautiful countertops. I mean, you walk in and they've got these, these granite countertops with all this color variation, and it's just beautiful. And then you go on this side, and they've got these quartz countertops, and they just sparkle, and it's like there's diamonds inside of it. And we're shopping, and we're saying, boy, that's pretty, and that's pretty, and that's pretty. And then the salesman comes up. He says, do you find something you like? And we said, we like a lot of them. We like this one and this one and this one. Could you get us a price? And he comes back with a price. And all of a sudden, our eyes get big again. And he knows that's not in our price range at this time. And so he says, well, we've got a, something else we could do. We have a laminate countertop. I'm starting to get what this laminate stuff is, right? I said, well, explain that to me. He said, well, it is a, a strong wood that we put down, and on top of the wood, there is a picture of a granite or of a quartz. And so when you put it down, it looks like granite. It looks like quartz. Now, it's not as strong. It doesn't have the rock feel to it, but it, it looks like it. Most people will think it is really quartz or it is really granite. Sign me up for that. That looks good. And then you go to the plumbing department, and there's all this gold and all this bronze. But the guy says, wait a minute, it's just plated. It's not real gold. It's not real bronze. It's just a plate on the faucet. Now, here's why I tell you all that. It could be that this morning, even at Woodland Hills Baptist Church, we have some laminate Christians. We have some Christians who are coming in, and you look the part. I look the part. 
I mean, we look holy, we look righteous, we look pure. We've got our, our big Bibles with us and we've got them highlighted and we come in and we're just walking around looking good. And to most people, they look our way and they see us and they say, that is looking pretty good. But it may be that on the inside, it is a facade, it's a fake, it's not true, it's not real, and it's not genuine. And if that is the case in my life or in your life, we are headed for destruction. The hardest people to reach for the kingdom of God are religious people who feel safe and secure, but they're not real. And so what I want to present to you this morning as we look through this text is, are you a hypocrite? Very, very simple question. Are you a hypocrite? Well, how do we avoid hypocrisy? Look at verses 2 and 3 of chapter 12. <clears throat> verses 2 and 3. He says, Nothing is covered that will not be revealed, or hidden that will not be known. Therefore, whatever you have said in the dark shall be heard in the light, and what you have whispered in private rooms shall be proclaimed on the housetops. You know what the, the first point is? God is going to expose you, and God is going to expose me. Look back in the verses for a moment. You see the word covered. You see the word revealed. You see the word hidden. You see the word known. Hypocrites know they are hypocrites. Hypocrites this morning, if it's me or if it's you, we know if our heart is corrupt. We can pretend, but we know. You know in your life, and I know in my life, if I have power over sin. You know in your life, and I know in my life, if I am really seeking after the things of God. You know it, and I know it. We know where our heart is spiritually. We know what is real, and we know what is fake. Now, the truth is, you can be sitting here this morning, and you can have the spouse sitting beside you fooled. You can have your husband fooled, and you can have your wife fooled. Kids, you can, you can make it to where your parents don't know. You can fool your pastor. You can fool your best friend. You can fool your life group leader. You can fool all of those, but I will promise you this. You will never fool God because he knows. Let me just show you. This is not just a, a one-time thing in Scripture. There, there's so many references to where the Lord says, I'm going to expose you. I'm going to show you for what you really are. I, I think of a few instances in Matthew. I'm just going to give you a paraphrase, but you can look back later because this is such a, a point in the Gospels. Matthew 25, beginning in verse 31, we see the parable of the sheep and the goats. It says that on, on the day of, of judgment... He will come and he will have the sheep come and he'll put the sheep on his right and he'll put the goats on his left. In other words, there's this picture of a, a, a farming metaphor where a shepherd has got this flock and in the flock he's got all this sheep, but there are some goats in the mix who are pretending to be sheep. There's some goats and they're walking around and they're going, bah, bah, bah. They're not sheep, but they're pretending to be sheep. And so the Lord says, on the day of judgment, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to gather all the, the sheep and the goats, and I'm going to put the sheep on my right, and I'm going to put the goats on my left. And I'm going to say to the sheep, come, 
You who are blessed by my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. Come on into my kingdom to the sheep. But he says, but to the goats, I'm going to say, depart from me, you cursed, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. He said, you may fool everybody else, but you're not going to fool the shepherd. You may fool everybody else, and you may walk around, and you may say, bye, bye, all you want to, but it's not going to work in the end. Matthew 13, he tells another parable, parable of the, the weeds, the weeds and the wheat. He says the farmer goes out and he begins to plant for, for wheat. But the enemy comes in and he puts weeds in the crop. And so the harvester goes and says, what are we going to do? Because we can't pull out the weeds. Because if we pull out the weeds, we might pluck up the wheat also. And the master says, this is what we're going to do. We're going to wait till the harvest. And I'm going to send my harvesters. And they're going to go out into the fields. And they're going to gather all the crops And then we're going to get the weeds, we're going to bundle the weeds up, and we're going to throw them into the fire. It could be this morning that there are some who you're a weed, but you're pretending to be the wheat. And he says, one day you'll be exposed. Then in Matthew chapter 7, on the day of judgment, again, he says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Now, on that day, on the day of judgment, there will be many who will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? Didn't we preach? Didn't we teach? Didn't we cast out demons? Didn't we do all these many mighty works in your name? Lord, we were religious. We were holy. We came to church. We gave money. We went to the the Sunday school or the life group. We did everything we could do. We're religious. And the Bible says he will look and declare, depart from me, for I never knew you. Depart from me, I I never knew you. I never had a real, genuine relationship with you. You played the games, you looked good on the outside, but I can see through all of that. Go back to verse 2 or 3, and he mentions the inner rooms. He's talking about the private places in your life. It could be that you think because nobody, nobody sees what you're doing, you're okay. Nobody knows what you're doing. You do it in, in privacy. Homes in this day, they would have an inner room if it was a wealthy family. And it was a room of security. There were no doors. There were no windows. It was a, a private spot in your home. And the Lord says, I, I see what you do in the inner room. I see what you do when nobody's watching. I see what you do when nobody's paying attention. I see who you really are. Galatians says, do not be deceived. God is not mocked. Whatever a man soweth, that also shall he reap. And I just wonder, are you trying to fool God this morning? You trying to fool God to make him think something that is not true? My kids do that a lot. You probably We'll relate to this if you've had kids, especially boys, especially two boys. <clears throat> Other day, they're, they're in the house, and they're, they're running around. I don't know how these kids have so much energy, but they're just, they're just running. And finally, I got fed up, and I said, boys, quit running. They say, yes, sir, and then you know what they do? They start doing that walk thing to where they're really running, but they're just like walking as fast as they can. 
And so they're playing tag and they're doing this number and it's like, Daddy, I'm not running, I'm not running. And then they get behind the kitchen where I can't see them and I hear, boys, quit running. No, Daddy, I'm not running, I'm not running. I'm just walking as fast as I can. God knows you're running. He knows what you're doing. I can't fool him and neither can you. Next thing we see is this. First, the hypocrite will be exposed. Secondly, verse 4, the hypocrite will be sent to hell. I wish there was a nicer way I could put that for you, but it's, it's not nice. The hypocrite will be sent to hell. It says, I tell you, my friends, do not fear those who kill the body. And after that, they have nothing more they can do. But I will warn you who to fear. Fear him who, after he is killed, has authority to cast into hell. Yes, I tell you, fear him. He says, my friends, there, there's some love, there's some compassion to that. My friends, listen, if you miss this message, if you miss this truth, you're going to spend eternity in hell. It could be true this morning. If you don't put this message in your heart, it could affect where you spend your eternity. He says, don't fear man. That's what hypocrites do, right? They, they fear man. They fear what people think. There, there are many in churches, and, and they never make a decision because they're so scared of what somebody else might think about them. What, what's somebody in the youth group going to think if I, if I go down and I say I'm not sure of my salvation? Well, what's somebody on this pew going to think if they see me walking down the aisle? I'm so afraid of what people think that I'm just going to stand here week after week and I'm going to grab onto this pew with all my strength. Fearing what somebody else thinks. And so you just, you just stand there and you just, you just hold on and you don't give in to God. And it's something we all struggle with. I get that. We all struggle with wanting to fit in. We all struggle with wanting to be accepted. I'm seeing that in my, my boys. We have twin boys Mason and Maddox, they're, they're six years old. Um, they don't look anything alike. Mason is tall, he's got blue eyes. Maddox is short, and he's got brown eyes. <clears throat> they came home the other day from school, and Maddox said, Daddy, at school today we had pictures. And I said, okay, baby, I, yeah, I, I know because you dressed up, you look so handsome. He said, well, Daddy, when we, when we had pictures, we had to line up from the tallest to the smallest. And he said, Daddy, Mason is the third tallest in our class. Daddy, he is, he is so tall. And he said, Daddy, I am the very smallest in our class. <clears throat> he got hot from his mama, and Mason got hot from his daddy. <clears throat> and he said, he said, Daddy, do you think, you think I'll grow tall like Mason you think I'll get tall like you one day, Daddy? You think, you think, because you could tell. I mean, he's, we've got this deal in the closet where we measure how tall they are. You know, we write it down and write the date, and it's a big, it's a big thing. And I, I could tell it's starting to bother him because most of the, the kids his age are taller and, and bigger than he is. And, and I want so bad just to, to grab him and say, Maddox, God made you just the way you are. You, you, are, you are just where God wants you to be. It doesn't matter if you're tall. It doesn't matter if you're short. It doesn't matter if you're a great athlete or if you're not a great athlete. God made you. He's got a plan for your life. And I want to put that into him so badly. But I know that can be hard to do. 
Because we go through life and we do the same thing, don't we? We're so concerned with fitting in and so concerned with what's somebody going to think of me and we fear man so much. Jesus says, don't, don't fear man. Don't fear the one who can just kill your, your life. I mean, we go to all sorts of measures to, to be secure, don't we? In my house, we've got a, a security system. Every time we go in, we push 5012 off. I just told you my code. We've got to change that. <laughs> Don't forget that, baby. <laughs> All right, 5012 off. Turn the alarm off. And then we, we go to bed and we push 5012 stay. We've got to make sure the alarm's set that nobody gets in in the night. When we leave, 5012 away, and if anybody comes in, the alarm's going off, the police are coming. We want to be secure. We want to be safe. Make sure the doors are locked to our home and to our, our vehicles. What are you doing about your eternal security? He says, don't, don't fear man. All they can do is kill you. This life is nothing more than a breath. It's just a vapor. It's here one moment. It's gone the next. What about your eternal life? As parents, we, we spend all kind of money on our kids' safety. We take them to doctors and dentists and all this different stuff. What about your kids' eternal security? Don't fear man. They can just kill the body. Feel, fear the one who can take your soul and cast it into hell. He's not talking about Satan. Satan cannot cast your soul into hell. Satan will be cast into hell. He says, fear God. Fear God in your life. Because if you're playing this game and you're playing this, heart, this, this part and it's not real in your life and you have religion but you have no relationship, one day you will be cast into hell. The Greek word here is the word Gehenna. It comes from the Old Testament, which is the Valley of Hinnom. Valley of Hinnom. During the Old Testament, they would go and they would worship pagan gods in this in this valley and the the pagan god Moloch demanded a child sacrifice and so parents would go and they would take their their baby their baby boy their baby girl and they would they would throw their baby on this fire to this pagan god in order to appease this otherwise angry god so that he would not bring calamity upon their life and so it was a it was an evil sight is what Gehenna was but later on, they shut that site down, and they turned it into a, a city trash dump. It was still burning. There was smoke. There were embers. There was, there was heat coming from it. And so they would take the trash, and they would throw it down in this valley. And so Jesus says, he says, don't fear the one who can take your life. Fear the one who can take your soul and throw it into Gehenna, because you know what that is. It's the fire. It's the brimstone. It's the place that you don't want to be. Fear the one who can do that in your life. Yes, I tell you, fear him. The third point is this in verse 6. No one escapes. Look at verse 6. He says, Are not five sparrows sold for two pennies? And are not one of them is forgotten before God? Why, even the hairs on your head are all numbered. Fear not, for you are of more value than the sparrows. Now, you've probably heard that preached before, haven't you? And it's probably a, an encouraging message. Fear not. Don't worry because God knows every time a bird hops. God knows every time a bird falls. God knows the number of hair on your head. Some of you have a lot. Some of you don't have a lot. That's okay. God knows. God knows not because he counts, but God knows because it is and God knows everything. 
And so God knows. And so you walk away from that and you say, praise the Lord, I don't have to worry because God is in control. But if you're a hypocrite, that's scary stuff. If you're a hypocrite, that's scary. It means you can't fool God. God knows what's going on. God knows what is true in your life. God knows if you're real or if you're not. Well, how do you escape? What is the solution? If you're here this morning and you say, in my life, I'm a hypocrite, what can I do about it? Look in verse 8. He says, and I tell you, everyone who acknowledges me before men, the Son of Man also will acknowledge before the angels of God. But the one who denies me before men will be denied before the angels of God. He's talking about public confession. He says, you know how you avoid this, this hip, hypocritical, fake religion? You openly confess Christ. People say, why do you still have a, a public invitation? This is why. Because the Bible says to come and to before men proclaim Christ as your Lord and your Savior. Folks, we live in a world where everybody wants to tell you that your faith is private. You can love God all you want to, but just keep that between you and God. Don't talk about it. Don't tell anyone about it. Let that just be between you and God. The only problem is that is not scriptural. That's not what the Bible says. If you love God, if you have surrendered your heart to the Lord Jesus Christ, it needs to be the most exciting thing in your life. It needs to be something that you go and you talk about and you tell others about and you encourage others to join you with. If there's no public profession, there's no salvation. That's what the verse just said. If there's no salvation, there's no heaven. He's saying if you truly make this commitment, if you truly surrender, you're not going to be private about it. You're going to want other people to know it. So it could be that in your life, your spiritual life has been something that's been private. Just something that, that, that you're doing on your own. And you say, it's okay because God knows what I'm doing. No, the Lord says right here, you've got to make it public before men. Now look at verse 13. We're going to close up quickly. Look at, look at chapter 13. I'm sorry. Chapter 13, verse 6. Let's close with a, a parable that Jesus closes this sermon with. It says, and he told them this parable, verse 6. A man had a fig tree planted in his vineyard, and he came seeking fruit on it, and he found none. And he said to the vine dresser, look, for three years now I have come seeking fruit on this fig tree, and I find none. Cut it down. Why should it use up the ground? And he answered him, sir, let it alone this year also. And I will dig around it, and I will put manure with it. And then if it should not bear fruit next year, well and good. But if not, you can cut it down. There, there's this fig tree, and year after year after year, it produces no fruit. And so finally, he comes, he says, cut this tree down. It's not doing any good. Cut it down, throw it in the fire. And he says, give it just one more chance. Give it just one more year, and I'm going to come, and I'm going to put manure with it. I'm going to put fertilizer in it. Let's see if it has one more chance to produce fruit. I wonder if that could be said of your life. The Lord's waiting. He's watching you, and you've got one more shot, one more chance. 
The Lord's walk, walking by your life and he's saying that there's no fruit. Walking by again, there, there, there's no fruit. Where's the fruit? The, there's no fruit. Where is the fruit? And it's almost time to chop the tree down. But you've got one more shot. It's not going to go on forever. If the Holy Spirit is leading you, now is the time. And, and it's in this moment that I'm, I would say I'm spreading out the manure. <laughs> That's biblical, but let's say fertilizer, right? Spreading the fertilizer out. You've got one more shot. You've got one more chance. You've got one more opportunity. The Lord is looking for fruit in your life. Stop being selfish. Stop being a hypocrite. Stop living for yourself. Live for the kingdom of God. Throwing out the fertilizer. Throwing out the fertilizer. But it's up to you. Are you going to bear fruit? Or will you live for yourself? Let me ask you just to bow your head and close your eyes. And there's a couple of things you've got you've to realize this morning. It could be that the Lord has spoken to you. Lord put this on my heart this week, and I believe there's somebody that this is just, just meant for. It could be that in your life, you have religion, but you have no relationship. You've been doing all the right stuff. You've been coming to church. You've been giving money. You've been going to Bible study. For months or for years and years and years, you've been doing all of this. But you have no relationship. It's fake. It's not genuine. It's not true. You say, well, Case, what do I need to do? The, the Bible says you need to make public profession. It means that this morning you need to come down and you need to say, here and now I surrender everything I am to the Lord Jesus Christ. And I don't care what anybody else thinks about it. Could be this morning that you know you're saved, no doubt about that in your heart. But you're not living it the way that you should. And the Lord's saying, Bear fruit, bear fruit, bear fruit. But you just hadn't yet. And maybe today's the day. You don't have much longer. You don't know how much longer you have. Today's the day to begin to bear fruit. Oh, that Woodland Hills would be a church that is not full of hypocrisy. We're going to say that we love the Lord, but we're going to live it also. It won't just be something we say with our mouth, but we will live it with our life. Lord, we thank you for this time this morning. Thank you for your word and how it, it teaches to us, God. It challenges us. Lord, and I pray if there's anyone here who's not sure that they have a relationship with you, they're not sure. They have doubts about their salvation. They wonder if it's real or if it's, if it's fake. Lord, I pray that you will lead them this morning. Lead them to confess you as their Lord and their Savior. Not to be afraid of what men think, God, but to give it all over to you. Lord, I pray for those of us who we know that we're saved, we know we're Christians, but there's, there's ways that we need to change our life. I pray we'll do so, God. We don't know how much time we have left. And so it's time to work for your kingdom. So let that to be true in our heart and in our life. Lord, we pray for your will to be done during this time. In Jesus' name, amen.